dear chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. Hey all, welcome back to Dear Chiefs Podcast. I'm your host, Audra, and I'm here with my co-host, Chelsea. Hey, Chelsea. Hi. And we have our return guest, our first return guest. Yay, James. Oh, the first one. That's awesome. You are. Hi. Welcome back. Hello. Thank you. How is everybody? Good. We're good. We're good. Good. All good. James is a critical care transport specialist paramedic with Boston Med Flight and the founder of Stay Fit for Duty. The mission of Fit for Duty is to help medical professionals treat their mental health with the same dedication and tenacity as they treat the physical health of those they took an oath to help. Hey, James. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, the last time we had you on the show, you gave us first res- our first responders some wonderful advice on how to get us, their partners at home to invest in their careers and be more integrated in the work family. I think today we're going to focus on how to support our partners through the pandemic when and if they experience COVID fatigue and Andra is going to start us off with our first question. All right, bud, what's new? How are y'all? I'm good, I'm good. I think we're, we're hanging in as best as anybody can hang in, right? Part of the reason why we're talking about this. Indeed. Um, the new the new normal and what is almost to the day like the year anniversary of when things started to get really real oh god please don't remind me (laughs) right right exactly and that's why we're here (laughs) so how are things going for you as a first responder during the pandemic so things are going well Um, i'm very very fortunate that i am part of a group that is fully vaccinated which is tremendously helpful um, in my neck of the woods in, in the New England geographic area. We are um, seeing a decline in not only COVID cases, but what most medical professionals care a ton about, especially in my neck of the world, is um, intensive care unit stays. Mm-hmm. So how, how much are we overloading our intensive care units? How many people need to be hospitalized for their COVID? And we're seeing those numbers start to fall as well, uh, which means our, our caseload of COVID patients are starting to fall, but the acuity is not necessarily falling. So we would see a whole bunch of COVID patients six months ago, and some of them would be critically ill, and some would just be kind of sick and kind of everywhere in between. And now I think I can speak for a vast majority of the population here that when uh, a critical care transport team is seeing a COVID patient, uh, we're seeing them uh, very, very ill. So fewer, Hmm. but more sick. Interesting. That's really interesting. Um, How are you guys uh like numbers i don't know uh anybody's numbers but california's because ours are so overwhelming i just can't even fathom looking at another state at this moment of course um so this actually goes into some of the things we talk about i don't know um i I haven't (laughs) i haven't looked at our like daily numbers breakdown Mm -hmm. in quite some time um, because it it didn't this is going to sound very terrible but it didn't it didn't do anything for me yeah um the the patients i'm going to see i'm still going to see uh the precautions i'm going to take i'm still going to take and 
I didn't need a daily reminder from my governor of whether we doing we were doing like good or bad per se, right? Um, so I, I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah, I think Chelsea and I are probably on that same wavelength. We don't really pay attention to the numbers. We're not like interested in um, how many people have it and what the ICU numbers are at because it's just so overwhelming. And um, I mean, for me personally, it's it's not necessary. It's not going to change me wearing a mask and doing all this, you know, precautionary measures. So it doesn't, not that it doesn't affect me, but it's just, it's not going to make a difference in my daily life kind of thing, just like you. So, um, but how are you guys doing? Like doing, how are you doing? Uh, we're, I think, I think tired is the, is yeah. the fair word for everyone. Um, on top of COVID, at least in my system, and I'm not speaking on behalf of my employer, but we have some clinicians that are ill Mm-hmm. non-COVID. We have some clinicians that are injured. We have clinicians taking mental health days, which is my, I, I'm a huge fan of that, right? Sometimes you just need to take a sick day and not be sick just to yeah. kind of get your head on right. Um, but we're, we're short staffed. Our, our night shifters, oh my God, I'm, I'm a swing shift. I do, I do some days and some nights, uh, more days than nights. Um, our consummate night shifters are, are having a hard time because they get a ton of calls and they're routinely short staffed and they have a ton of work to do. Um, I, I'd say that everyone is just tired or we're just all very very tired yeah i can imagine it's it's a lot so that's going to lead us to our next question (laughs) thank you audra (laughs) (laughs) so what says we're talking about being tired would you classify it as covid fatigue and how would you describe covid fatigue Two great questions. Um, yes, I would personally, because I still think that that the extra layer of COVID is making people more tired. So I, I think that in some sense, that's very subjective as to like whether or not it's COVID fatigue. And I think workplaces need to be really careful with assuming that bigger problems within their organizations are just COVID fatigue. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, they're just stressed. Once this blows over, it'll all get better. When in reality, like, it's just bubbling up bigger problems that had been there for a while. Um, when we talk about what COVID fatigue is, the most universal definition is a, a complex set of emotions, including both sadness and quarantine boredom. So it kind of sits in this idea of pandemic fatigue. When we say COVID fatigue, it's just pandemic fatigue as a whole. I'm tired of not seeing my friends. I'm tired of wearing a mask. I'm tired of not being able to do the things. I want to go pay $40 for a movie and a bucket of popcorn. Um, I want my quote unquote old life back is what we're talking about when we talk about the idea of COVID fatigue. And how do you think that that affects the first responder? I think it's just another layer, right? I I think anyone in first response, and I know I, I covered this well last time we talked, but I mean, police, fire, EMS, critical care, nursing, healthcare, the whole kind of group, there's absolutely the kind of transition to what the new normal is going to be, if there is going to be a new normal. And the continued stress of, do I have the PPE I need, which thankfully we're hearing less and less stories of people not running out of or not having PPE. We're we're hearing supplies return to semi-normal for some places, not for all. Um, I talked about kind of the caseload that's coming down. We're seeing our normal quote unquote patient populations again, but it's just tiring. I I can tell you on the 
pseudo administration side of the coin, I'm trying to schedule training for my peer team. And uh, those that are helping me in that training realm are trying to figure out when we can have two classes instead of one because we have too many people signed up for one class with the social distancing guidelines that we need to have in place. And that's just the right. best example I can give. It's like, it's every day, it's all the stuff you're doing. And oh yeah, that's not gonna work because we can only have eight people in that room at a time. And this kind of continual burden of what COVID is both clinically and non-clinically. Yeah, so interesting. I mean, we we have the same sentiment out here, I think. Um, it's it's uh it's an interesting time because I think I don't know how you how your state is handling, you know, PPE is still kind of a mess. I know in particular and I'm not going to say my husband's department, but you know, in that area there is still a major shortage. Um, and it's not so much the, it's the frustration of getting it and having to pay for it. Um, and we could talk about getting reimbursed from the government. And um, I won't go into that today because that's a whole nother episode of me and my frustrations. <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting to me because on top of that, there's so many other layers going on. I don't know if that's true for you guys, but we're also in a major budget crisis um, in our state with um, lack of funds for just basic, basic fire departments are struggling out here. Um, and I think police are too. And I, I'm thinking it's a nationwide issue. Um, so on top of all this COVID fatigue, you have all this other, you know, all these other issues that are going into mental health. Um, like you were saying, um, there's short staff, there's tons of people on workers comp. I'm assuming that's because of partially because of COVID fatigue. Cause I don't think, um, I've ever heard this many people on workers comp at once in our area. Um, and I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know where it's coming from. It's kind of bizarre. What do you think? Audra, do you think it's because people who have an exposure to COVID are going on mm -mm. on workman's comp for that? You know, in I can say just for um, for people that I know in departments around um, that the majority of the workers' comp that I'm hearing is not COVID related. Um, it's more um, like random injuries that you wouldn't necessarily hear of prior to, or maybe I'm just keying into that a little bit more. Like, uh, you know, and a lot of times I think when people are struggling mentally, obviously your body is taking um, the brunt of some of that mental struggle and it manifests in different ways. And my thought process is that people are getting injured more because they are struggling um, with a lot of stuff going on mentally and they're either, you know, not, not I'm not going to say not paying attention, but they're unable to do their job to the best of their ability because they're mentally in such a bad place. They're not really realizing the amount of stress it's putting on their entire body. That's, that's my thought process on it. Whether or not that's correct, I don't know, but I I'm also wonder seeing... if it's 
<clears throat> I also wonder if it's because we've cut our workforce basically in half in California. Mm -hmm. So those people who are working are working longer hours. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a possibility that it's a mixture of both. Yeah. It's just interesting to me because I just over the last couple of months have noticed like, what do you mean that person's out on workers comp? What? Why are two people at the same time? This is unheard of, you know? Um, but yeah. I digress. Um, James, what do you think are some warning signs we should be looking for in our first responders when they're coming home for COVID fatigue and, you know, the same mental health kind of signs? Absolutely. I, I think for both partners, right? We talked a lot in my first podcast about like reflecting on both partners. Um, I think any of the signs for burnout work well for COVID fatigue, right? Like what would have, what would have worked for just, it's my ninth shift and I'm burned out and I'm tired and I'm stressed and I'm not eating well. I'm not sleeping well. All of these will exacerbate this idea of COVID fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, good communication with your partner is really important here. Um, it's, it's funny. We, we talk a little bit about what it takes to be a first responder in COVID times and just like logistically, you know, for, for those of us that do like the ICU to ICU management of a COVID positive patient, when you tell me I'm going to take somebody from one ICU to another ICU, we'll say, I'm just making round numbers. That's a three hour adventure, right? From when I first make patient contact, when I leave the patient at another ICU, that's three hours. When you say they're COVID positive, now it's five and a half because of the donning and doffing of PPE and some of the extra precautions we have to take and in ways that we have to decon and limits on crews that can come in with us. And when that was the normal, right? I, I told you guys offline that, you know, we had a time where you would know you had a call the day before you came into work because that's how backlogged we were. Um, now, when you get a COVID call, you're like, oh my God, not the thing again, you know, tear out the gowns and you put the things on and, and you have to do all this stuff. And, and hearing your partner kind of articulate that frustration or that, that anger almost with having to follow these precautions. Um, if you're in a system where you have to provide kind of different layers of precaution, depending on the COVID status of your patient, not necessarily prudent in the 911 community, but in the ICU and critical care community, that plays a bit more of a role. Um, listening to their fatigue at work, listening to their discussion about their work schedule. I mean, I, I, to this day in 15 plus years in EMS have never looked at my schedule and said, man, fantastic. What a happy schedule I have. I'm so glad. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't think any family has, has shared that sentiment either, but um, more, more frustration towards that than normal or more frustration to guidelines, things that weren't an issue prior. You know, I, I watched a, a pseudo meltdown at a store the other day because you were, you met the host at the front of the store and they said, you know, keep your mask on, don't touch your face and um, please sanitize your hands before you come in. And like the argument that ensued over uh, a retail worker asking someone to sanitize their hands before they came in was not so much some of the, the kind of opposition to the idea, but just a, a clear reflection of how tired that person was. Like I just sanitized them and this is all nonsense and blah, 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 blah an easy way to just see how people are run down. So the, the belabored answer that, that I just gave can really be summarized by look at literal physical wear and tear and listen to your partner as they talk about their day, as they talk about what's going on, as they talk about, I, I think both Chelsea and Audra hit great points earlier about your mental and physical health are totally connected. So if your mental health is struggling, your physical health isn't far behind. 
And when you have people out and you further the workload on the people that are still showing up to work, then you're putting more stress on them and you create this nasty cycle. So good communication and really prudent listening to what's going on in the day to day. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, even a year later, I think, uh, you know, we, I don't think we'll know the real toll it's taken on first responders for mm, probably another year or two, just because it's still kind of in the thick of it. You can't really process what happened um, or what's happening. And I feel like that uh, as just a normal human. So I can't imagine, um, or I try to imagine the level that my first responder is having to deal with mentally. Um, And it's really hard to wrap my head around and it is crazy. Well, yeah, for our first responders, like it's not just the, it's not just the fact that they have to respond to these calls with you know, COVID positive patients, but they also have changed their, their living situation at the fire station. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no more can they sit around a table and all eat dinner together. Um, families can't visit the station. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're basically sequestered to their quarters when they're not on the, the engine. Um, it's a completely different dynamic than it was a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. So, and then let's not even talk about what happens when there is a COVID exposure. Um, that's Hmm. like a whole nother, a whole nother level of chaos. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just that alone, really, I have no words for. (laughs) Right. The isolation that is happening, I think, is just yeah, I can't mind blowing, my mind right? Around it. Yeah, we actually went and it's mind blowing because I feel like we're isolating ourselves on right. We're isolating mm-hmm. ourselves in general from our family and friends, and then take that to a whole nother level in the firehouse. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. So we on Sunday we actually went to visit Damien for the first time um, since COVID and we couldn't go inside. Obviously we literally sat outside. We weren't even in the app. Um, and they still, everybody still had their masks on, but it was just so bizarre to not be able to go and sit at the table and hang out and listen to them just all kind of, you know, shoot the breeze and do the normal thing. Everybody had their mask on, everybody, you know, kept their distance and, it was so bizarre. So, so bizarre. Just, yeah. And yeah, yeah, I think that that all by itself is enough to put a person over the edge mm-hmm. and then add a, you know, a pandemic on top of it. And you've got a whole nother level. So I don't think we can, I think you're right. We, we're probably not going to know the effects for a few years, but like we said in our last episode, um, how do you pinpoint one incident? Right. Compound some more shit on top of what they already have to deal with. Not to mention, um, it's March, so there's a couple more months before fire season starts, and then just it just all goes back to crazy town. Um, you better be knocking on some. You better be knocking on some wood over there. <laughs> I got it. Okay, just get it. <laughs> You're in some knocking. James is like, I'm so lost right now. Right. I'm sorry, James. We totally took over your podcast today. 
totally fine. It's totally fine. It's James all part of that therapeutic <laughs> communication that we talked about. Right? James is listening like, oh my God. Okay, girl talk. Like, <laughs> These girls are out of their gourds, okay? <laughs> no. I'm a little um, stressful over here, James, okay? Okay, so <laughs> since we have you here and this is a therapy session, what is your opinion of the isolation that is occurring? Not, you know in general, but also in situations where there was once a camaraderie that occurred as a family unit. Um, how, how would you? Yeah. I imagine you're experiencing the same kind of thing, right? Like Chelsea's saying, because we, you know, the guys are the, not the guys, all the firefighters, all the first responders basically have all these crazy rules now. Um, so they're not, they're not, allowed to blow off steam the same way they were used to. So are you guys getting that same kind of situation happening, you know, with, with your crews? Yeah, yes and no. I think one thing you have to remember about all of us, and this mm-hmm. is kind of where we, we take mindfulness and spin it a little bit under some of the positives of this pandemic. We're all incredibly resilient humans. And I heard you guys talk about some of the things that have changed. There's still a ton of camaraderie. There's still a ton of ability to show that we've adapted and overcame, right? Like you're absolutely right. In most firehouses and most ambulance garages and most police stations, 10 people can't sit at the table and eat together yet, right? We, we know that with vaccine rates coming up and with COVID numbers falling, like that will, we hope be a temporary change, but how else have we been able to show camaraderie and how else have we been able to work with our teams in an even smaller ways than before, even through, pardon my French for your podcast, but communal bitching, right? Kind of what, what's happening all the time. How are we still interacting with one another and showing each other how far we come? I mean, you know, I, I, put, some, I put some references in here. If you'd asked me a year and a half ago, um, and I don't want Audrey's husband to get mad at me. So bear with me in this hypothetical example of Audrey said, Hey, I have today off. Do you want to like, I don't know, sit on a picnic bench and like drink a cup of coffee. I would have been like, no, that sounds ridiculous and not really my speed. If someone <laughs> invites me to that now, I, you just tell me where to meet you, right? I'll buy the coffee and I'll meet you there. Like the, the opportunity to have like one-on-one connection with a human is so much more valuable now than perhaps maybe we took advantage of a year and a half, mm-hmm. two years ago mm-hmm. that, I do completely empathize with people that look at that as negatives, but I really encourage people to say, but you could, you could go see your husband at work. Right. And that's yeah. tremendous. Right. It, great. It was far away. It was all these things. You know, I got a little teary eyed the other day. I was driving home from a doctor's appointment and it was a family of five waving at somebody through the door and, and through the door was, was clearly someone who was, who was elderly. And it was like, Hey, that's cool. Right. It's not perfect in any way, shape or form, but it's way better than, zoom and it's way better than not doing it at all so like how are we as a group of first responders and i often lump family into that group because for the sole purpose of your podcast right you guys are very much part of the fray and even if you don't hold the certifications you have a tremendous expectation put on on you to be resilient and and to be able to like turn things on a dime and handle things when your partner is doing whatever they're doing I encourage you to look at all of those changes as ways that we've shown how resilient we can actually be. I love you. I love your positive <laughs> spins on all of the negative and all the bitching. <laughs> it's, uh, 
I also think there's a lot to be said for bitching. I do, and I know colleagues of mine in the mental health space don't agree with this, but I've gotten much closer with colleagues of mine over, again, pardon my French, but like bitch sessions, Yep. right? Like like a person that I right. didn't, that I was very close with, but didn't always talk to a bunch. We will routinely talk for at least an hour and change. And a lot of stuff gets pulled out. Work and this and that and relationships and all this stuff, but like, you're still fostering connection. My only, my only kind of asterisk is make sure you're not just going to someone toxic to just like be in the toxicity. But if you're going to a friend and a colleague and it turns into a bitch session, that is okay. That is just as therapeutic as anything else could be. So it, it can still be a very positive connection, even though it feels like, oh, Audrey, Chelsea, and James haven't talked much in the past two months because we've all been super busy. And when we do, all we did was bitch. Well, we still connected. We still had a fantastic conversation. And hopefully in some shape, we were able to like better align with one another in that process. So yeah. can still be a ton of positives in there. Oh yeah. And I think that that just goes back to the human connection you know, that's real life. When you're sitting around bitching about what's going on, you're fostering a relationship based on a shared experience. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if it's a bitch session or if it's a, Hey, it's all sunshine and roses conversation. It's still a shared connection. I completely agree. I think he, I mean, he basically answered our power through question already, Chelsea. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, I I didn't plan to, um, I, the only other side, do you want to ask the power through question before I answer it? Well, you can go ahead and just go for it because we already <laughs> basically touched on it. So. What you hear in the background is Chelsea just throwing her script away and being like, you know what? We talked about this. Do you, and you hear the shredder anyway. happening right now? <laughs> um, so I, I do want to talk a little bit more about the upside. Okay. And, and think of what's routine. And I use that hand sanitizer example as, as like an example of fatigue, but like, who here doesn't have their one to three bottles of hand sanitizer on their purse, person, or vehicle? Right? Oh my like, God. I, they're literally everywhere. Yeah. You don't look for it anymore. Mm-mm. My, my. Um, I, I got to interject because I don't have Please. any of that in my purse. What the heck, or... girl? I have like four in the car, one in every bag. Like each kid has I one. do this weird thing when I get home. I wash my hands before I do anything else. Oh no. I wash my hands also. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not. Like I'm not down with the hand sanitizer thing. It's just not my thing. You so have I, a lot fewer. I mean, your population is a lot smaller than, right? I mean, you, yeah. But even when I'm in big cities, it's like I'm just gonna. I, we routinely come home and wash our hands regardless of COVID's going on or not. So hmm. I don't feel like I need to go in the grocery store and put hand sanitizer on. Well, I'm not kind of using the, their hand sanitizer. I'm only using mine. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, and that's kind of the fun game I like to play. And I, I totally agree. If you have a good hand washing routine, you don't touch your nose in your face. Um, uh, always more antiseptic is better than none. But if you already have a good hand washing routine down, that that's perfect. Keep it. Um, I, I do enjoy the game of, is this hand sanitizer going to smell like garbage, tequila, or nothing? Yep. Right. And it's right. Like, it's like, use this. Come here, have this. Because we've all done it. You're like, oh, shit. I touched a lot of stuff. I don't have my hand sanitizer. I'm not near my car. And you, like, look at that, like, 10-gallon jug of, like, whatever generic brand hand sanitizer. And you're like, well, here it goes. And you're like, oh, no, it smells like tequila. That's awful. Um, who... Let's look at what we've done with masks, right? Masks were this big thing and people were making them. Uh, to see the amount of like individual expression out of somebody's use of a mask is awesome. It's awesome. I love it. 
I love that people can grab a mask in any shape, size, color, wear it. One mask, two mask, doesn't matter. Uh, we're obviously like not going to be too much in the realm of like those that choose to not wear a mask. Um, but for those that do, like, it's cool to see the like creativity and variability of those masks. And think a year and a half ago, if somebody said, hey, I need you to wear a mask before you come into the store, you'd be like, no, I don't want to get arrested. I remember the first time I went to the bank and like waved at a cop with my mask on. Like it felt so odd to be like officer as I come in with like my mask (laughs) on, like walking into a bank, like two years ago, uh, that we absolutely would have had more of a conversation. Um, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a little bit younger. So, so I recognize a little bit of this. A little more. I just said a a little bit, hang on. I'm talking (laughs) wide ranging. I'm not talking about Audra Chelsea. My, my parents see this is why i said hang on my parents can zoom my parents would be like hey we're having a zoom if you want to join us a year and a half ago that never like their technologic advances admittedly by force right because they were they're relatively out of options are huge Mm -hmm. people that have learned new ways to connect with their loved ones my grandmother and i facetimed and it took her like 10 minutes to like get a hold of the like procedure but now she's like, oh, when you want to talk to me, when you want to see me on the phone, just let me know. Like, how cool is it that we've we've made some steeping tech advances? Yeah. We've also noticed some pretty drastic inequities within the Wi-Fi world and who has the tech and who doesn't have the tech, which I also argue is a good thing because now more people can see big inequities that kind of were swept under the rug for a while. Yep. Yep. And I go back to like my coffee and a picnic table. I'm going for a walk later. I'm not a walk guy. I think you you can both like get a sense of this from how well you know me. I'll go to the gym. I'll do the thing. I'll do this. I'll do that. But like, I want to drive and I'm going for a walk today. And I don't think it's because I'm slowly losing my mind. I think it's because we're, we're much more genuinely appreciative of what we've always had available to us when a whole bunch of the kind of extraneous and noises stuff was taken away. I agree with that. I have actually been walking every day since... May of last year and it's probably the biggest positive for me to come out of COVID was like getting outside going back to a routine of doing something for myself every day it has been such a huge literal blessing to me it's crazy I never thought it was going to be that big of a deal but now I'm like nope I gotta walk today I don't even care I'm just I'm just gonna go for a walk really quick and the kids know, and when Damien told me he comes with me, and it's just, it's great. I love it. If you could see our Instagram DM threads, you would see each of us saying, yep. I'm going for a walk. I'll do that when I get back. Yeah. Every That's day. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That is the other, like, yeah. The other component of this is like self care went from an aisle at Target, right? We've talked about this before. Like, yep. self care is not just bath bombs and face masks, self care has become a thing mm-hmm. in other grown men and I, I i only make it gender specific because i think traditionally women are a bit more in tune with this than men are but when other grown adults are like hey can you grab a beer with me at that place outside or i can't do that today because i'm tapped mm-hmm. right my workplace in particular struggles with on duty versus off duty. We're we're 24 seven providers. And those of us, like so many people in my circle that have extra responsibilities 
are not necessarily expected to take time off. Mm-hmm. And it's great that I can reach out to my team, definitely my my fellow peers on the peer support team, um, more so than maybe my, my managerial team. But I can say, I need someone to cover me today because just because not because my dog is sick, not because there's some big like quantifiable emergency, but just because. And that same day when a little fire at work erupted, I jumped onto the group chat and I'm offering solutions. And my colleague that took the shift was like, Hey, that's really weird. Cause I don't think Boomhauer is in today. So maybe this is something he can handle on Wednesday when he's back. And this idea of like encouraging and fostering, what actual self-care is outside of things that smell nice and feel nice on your skin is really important. And I truly hope it's something that we don't allow ourselves to let go of. Remember what you needed to get through this and how much stronger that will make you when all of this is over. I love that. I love the meme that says, let's not go back to normal because normal wasn't working for us to begin with. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there are parts of our normal that we're working, but there are a lot of parts of our normal that we're not. And that self-care thing is certainly one that is something I would like to take out of the pandemic and see it continue. (laughs) Exactly. Indeed. There are plenty of people that have suffered tremendously through this pandemic, right? People have lost loved ones. People have lost, you know, uh, all sorts of, different things, their, their home, their job, all of this stuff. And I can't for a second take away the, the tremendous loss that some people have suffered during this pandemic. But it, again, to Chelsea's point, just hammers home, like how many things weren't working. So let's utilize this, we hope, once in a century opportunity to reset and only pull back in the pieces that were helpful and only pull back in the pieces that we needed to have and leave a lot of that other stuff on the wayside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I so we've gone a, through the positive now how do we how do we how are we mindful of powering through with the positive how do we because i think I, it's it's easy to focus on negatives like you said so how do we how do we keep the positivity at the forefront of the mind when there's so many things happening um like for example my grandmother died last week and um, it's been very emotional. And on top of all of the other stresses of just general life and distance learning and all of those things, it, it can become very overwhelming. Um, and so how would you suggest that we focus, keep our minds focused on those positives? That's a fantastic question. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your grandmother. My condolences for her passing. I specifically, Chelsea, don't want you to confuse positivity with like allowing yourself to grieve. Oh, no, no, no. Now, I, that's, it, not, that's not what I mean at all. <laughs> uh, no, perfect. And, that, and yeah, I'm, right. I'm very glad to hear that because I, I think that all too often some people confuse that, right? Like if I'm right. not, the second a tear rolls out of my face, I'm not being positive anymore. Um, so definitely allowing space to grieve what you've lost, especially true for those that have lost loved ones, family jobs but looking back and seeing how far we've come from this i see so many people say oh my god this has been going on for a year 
and I say I totally agree and it totally sucks because believe me, I I am part of a group that has experienced this acutely, you know, on the my job has changed dramatically side of the coin. But look at what we've done in a year. Look at some of the social change we've made. Look at, I understand vaccines are a hot topic, but look at what science was able to do in record time. And look at how well they worked and look at how well they're continuing to work. Look at how we as a society have adapted, right? Like the joke of like, the only person that adapted to this faster than anybody was Chick-fil-A, right? Like how fast they were able to like put things into play, get it all going, get it situated and like get back to work. Look at how resilient our society as a whole has become. And when you can, and I know this is hard to do sometimes when you're acutely stressed, but write it all down. Like write down things that are different that you don't hate. I go for a walk. I get a chance to read. I'm home more with my pet. I'm home more with my children, right? Like what does that list look like to you? And what will you do with that list in the future? So it's a bit of a mix of looking behind you to, to not dwell on the past, but to see how far you've come, right? When I'm in the middle of a five mile run and it sucks and I look down at my watch and my watch told me I've already ran four miles, that last mile doesn't hurt as much, right? Because I've already gone so far and I've already moved so far ahead. So this nice combination of looking behind you to see how far you've come and looking forward to see what it's going to look like at the finish line. I love that. Okay. We're going to switch to the hot seat. Are you ready? I am. Yeah, let's we, do it. We changed the questions since you already answered um, <laughs> <laughs> the old set. <laughs> and hopefully everyone will and just... who knows? Maybe we'll keep some of them. Right. Ah. <laughs> All right. Who is your current hero? Ooh. Ooh. Harder questions than last time. <laughs> okay, we can come back to that. Gotcha. Come back to it. Yeah, I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, you totally got me. Yeah. You can't get it wrong. Oh my I god. Get it oh, wrong. There is no wrong answer to that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> okay. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Pre-COVID. If James. I couldn't live, I, no, no, no. If, if I couldn't could, live in New England, if, you, if I couldn't okay. live mm -hmm. in New England, I'd live in the Pacific Northwest. Okay, okay. What is your favorite book to read? One you keep going back to? Ooh. Um, Ready Player One was high on that list until it got too real during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't read Ready Player Two, but I used to, I loved Ready Player One, um, and. Other than that, they're all medical books, which is so annoying, but they're all like medical textbooks. Yeah, I feel that. I think uh, that's all Damien reads is like medical textbooks. Um, okay, what is your biggest fear? Uh, quitting. Hmm. What would you change about yourself if you could? I wish I would treat myself the same way I treat other people, like mm -hmm. with compassion and kindness and forgiveness and all that stuff. Yep. Okay. What motivates you to work hard? Knowing that I make a difference, knowing that if I continue to work hard, I'll keep making a difference. I love that. 
Okay, this one's totally random. What would you sing at karaoke night? That is totally random. <laughs> um, it's not fair. It depends on my mood. There's so many things. Um, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you mine. While yeah, you tell sing. me yours, please. I would say, well, I know my husband would sing Blind Melons, No Rain, because it's his go-to karaoke song. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and mine would probably be like Paradise City, Guns N' Roses. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, I'm really thinking Africa by Toto. I really am. Oh, my God. Yes. Love it. I mean, I need help. There need to be more than one person for that. But yeah. <laughs> but the Toto version, not the Weezer version. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Not that the mm-hmm. Weezer version was bad, but the Toto right. version is just more my speed Mm -hmm. indeed my kids like the weezer version i'm like no 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 you don't understand okay um okay last question what's your favorite thing about your career the people that i've met and the people i get to help okay um i've done more more real deal networking through the most random happenstances and well every first responder has a bunch I have a couple of like career saving um, messages of gratitude from people that I've helped. I love that. Okay. Do you have a, a hero? Did you think of one or? Yeah. And it's so, you know, I, I hesitated for a second because it feels disingenuine, but my hero is parents. Um, I was going to say scientists, scientists are awesome and scientists are getting all the praise, but like when I look at the people in my life that I'm absolutely in awe of right now, it's parents. I I, I have it pretty easy. I'm single, you know, not married. We all know what I mean when I say single, but like I kind of do the thing. I come home, I talk on a podcast, right? I help people. I try to volunteer when I can. Uh, But the people who now have to work a full-time job and be a school teacher and be a counselor and be all of these things all well maintaining their own thoughts about this pandemic and everything else, uh, hands down, it's parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like the sweetest thing that I think I've heard in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's absolutely true. Okay. So now that we're James's hero, Audra. <laughs> you heard right. it on our podcast. Right, right. It's recorded. Yep. I feel so good. Okay. I feel so good. Yes, thank you for that validation. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, I want to thank you for being here on the podcast again with us today. And can you please tell our listeners how they can find you on the World Wide Web? I can. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, you can find me through a number of different mediums. My social media is stay underscore fit, the number four duty. Uh, that is true for Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It's the same thing, just no at symbol. And in there, you'll also find a uh, combination of the podcasts I've done, the work I've done, the work I'm doing, some of the volunteer work I do, and more resources at my Linktree, uh, which is linktree.ee backslash stay underscore fit for duty or reach out to dear chiefs and they'll send me a message and we'll connect indeed we will can we talk lightning fast about some resources for people that are struggling 
Yes, go for it. Awesome. Um, two big things I want to point out. The suicide prevention hotline and the crisis text line are two fundamentally important, always staffed, always on 24-7, 365 resources for people that just need a hand getting through the day or really need somebody to talk to. Um, two huge resources there. And we'll make sure that we put them in show notes for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think that's a wrap. So if you enjoyed our show today and want to keep hearing more, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. You can also find us on all of our favorite, your all of your favorite listening apps by searching for Dear Chiefs podcast. And of course, on our website at dearchiefs.com. Thank you again, James, for being here. This is Audra and Chelsea over and out. Thanks so much for tuning in. Tune in weekly for the 25,000-foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out.